Hello, and welcome to Series 4, Episode 16 of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s pop music or music. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. You okay? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. You? Yeah, not bad. You say in pop music, it may as well be. I do have a lot of pop, but then I do have a lot of rock too, so. Yeah. 80s music it is. So, um... How did you find this week? Uh, so this week, I knew a lot of the names that you gave me, which obviously I would have said um, last week when you were giving me them. Um, and I think you'll probably be able to maybe guess some of the ones that I were a hit with me. Um, I can say I've really enjoyed the songs this week. Um, and I've re-listened to quite a few of them. So, yeah, that was, that was, it, it was nice because sometimes I listen in my car and then I don't listen again. Or it's very um, rare. But this week, I just let it go through it again and skipped the ones I didn't want to have another listen to. So, yeah, it's been a, been a good week for songs. Not going to let you know whether, you know, the artists have been that great, but okay. you'll find out. Well, before we uh, talk music, we'll just recap on the artists. Yes. So, Nick Kershaw, mm -hmm. Jason Donovan, yep. John Lennon, Holly mm -hmm. Johnson, Jackie Wilson, and Julian Lennon. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, first of all, then, how many number ones? Right, so this week's quite a big name week. And what, what I mean by that is like we've I know of them through discussing them already, bar a two, I think. Um, but they've been in bands. So it's quite a big name week, so it's quite hard to think who could be that good to get a number one. So I've started getting strict <laughs> on my number ones. And I laugh because I've still managed to say there's six. <laughs> That's me being strict. Okay. We're not so, far off. Oh, am I not? I thought I've still got There were many. nine Shut up. number ones. Shut up. Nine. I thought by, I thought by you saying not, you're not far off, it would be like four. Not Nine more. number ones. However, two of them were outside of the 80s. Right, okay. Which would bring it down to seven. And one of them was, I don't want to give it away, wasn't the artist is probably the right, easiest okay. way of saying it. Right, okay. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would bring it down to six. So I'm right. So but then to be fair... Right. My some of my six could be the ones out of the eighties or that one. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not right because there's still nine that I've listened yeah. to. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, I suppose um, we need to ask what your six are. Yeah. Oh, now I'm really annoyed because I wish you went for more. So I've gone for the riddle by Nick Kershaw. Mm -hmm. Especially for you. And RSVP by Jason Donovan. Imagine by John Lennon. 
and Ferry Across the Mersey by Holly Johnson and I Get the Sweetest Feeling by Jackie Wilson. Okay, interesting. Mm. Let's see as we talk music and we talk Nick Kershaw. Yeah. So obviously we kind of know a bit of my opinion on him in a live sense because I saw him at Rewind with you recently. Um and he got me like I left you and went to the front for him. So that said a lot, didn't it? He was the high one of the highlights there for me. So I think that says a lot. And and I obviously enjoyed him before I even knew who he was. So like at Rewind, I I didn't know who he was. I don't think you'd ever spoken of him. So I enjoyed him then. Um his music just says feel good. It gives you all the right feelings. I think he's a very talented musician and he still has it from the 80s. Like he knows how to work a crowd. Um, I think he's grown very well. I've gone for synth pop with him. And I think his voice has not changed in his older age either. Like listening to the songs and watching the videos from how they were originally recorded to seeing him live is not changed. Um, he looks like a whole different person, though. Like, seeing him in videos from the 80s. Oh, he's just so young, isn't he? So young and fresh-faced. and With a mullet. Yeah. I was like, like yeah. hello. Yeah. Um, so he exper- experiments with videos. In Wouldn't It Be Good, he has he's wearing a suit, but it's like a green screen suit. Not on him. I mean, like, the suit has a video within in it, but the suit is playing a different video. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's yeah. that's really clever, and I think that's, you know, very good for the 80s, and he shows that the 80s was still about music. So I think he might have been early 80s in that sense, because um, I have noticed that later on in the 80s, not really many videos. Um, and I think he started off really young. So, yeah, intrigued to hear about his life story now. Okay, so Nick Kershaw is from Bristol, England. He's been active in the music business since 1973. He's a singer, songwriter, musician and record producer. Um, So he's, as a musician, he's a guitarist, bassist and keyboardist. And his um, genre is pop, synth pop. New wave. Oh, so yeah. So, although from Bristol, he actually grew up in Ipswich, Suffolk. So, very similar to um, a certain Ed Sheeran, the current number main, I suppose, soloist of. Um, oh, my t- this time. Art, art this time, yeah. Um, who um, is, um, who funny enough was originally from Halifax and moved to Suffolk and was raised in Framlingham, which is just outside Ipswich. So very much like Nick Kershaw, wasn't actually from Suffolk, but was raised in Suffolk. So obviously moved there very young. Um, So yeah, very similar. Mm. So maybe um, Ed Sheeran, at whatever age his family moved to Suffolk, when he was two or whatever, probably said, yeah, Nick Kershaw, he's brilliant. Let's go to Suffolk. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran's not near your age. 
How old would he have been? I'm on about he he was born in Halifax but raised in Suffolk, so he obviously moved when he oh, was I young. Thought you were on about, I thought you were on about so, when Ed Sheeran was two. No, they wrong. heard of he yeah, heard that's of what I'm Nick saying. Herschel. So obviously he he heard that Suffolk was a good place to go because of, of to be a, a male soloist, so he went what, when he was two, two years old. He that's made that I'm decision joking, for his that's family. What I'm joking about oh, obviously at two years. I'm joking. Obviously, he wouldn't have known at two or whatever age he moved. But I'm just saying it's it's very similar that both of them, yeah, both good. I, I mean, wonder. Nick Herschel was probably one of our on as far as um, certainly um, as far as synth pop goes. But as far as male soloists, he was he was up there as one of our main like main British. ones. Like you know when you obviously mm. Michael Jackson and yeah, but Wim British were the were the big one. David Bowie, but um. Yeah, he was he was um, in the probably the third, you know, you know, obviously Elton John as well. So he, yeah, he'd have been been up there. Okay. Yeah, but I wonder whether Ed Sheeran would have heard of coming from the Suffolk, like once growing up and yeah. getting into his music. Whether he would have been around anyone talking about how Nick Kershaw came from there. Yeah, who knows? Mm. Who knows? So um, he learned to play the guitar while at grammar school and was a, he self-taught himself. So he, while he was at grammar school, he right. self-taught on the guitar. Yeah. Uh, Nick left school in the middle of his A-levels and got a job at the Unemployment Benefit Office. Oh. So, so yeah. What a way to and then start while out. doing that, he also sang in a number of underground Ipswich bands. However, when the last of these, called Fusion, broke up in 1982, he embarked on a solo career as a musician-songwriter. Oh, right. So he started off in a number of bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them ever really took off. No, no, no. And, so was that and then he um, decided that would be his career. So um, <clears throat> Kershaw was unemployed, having left the benefit office and obviously left Fusion. Or they broke up anyway, but I don't yeah. know who went, whether he left and they whether broke up left, or they or... broke up and, and they disbanded. Um, so to ensure his, um, to ensue, sorry, his um, chosen career as a musician, he found a manager um, called Mickey Modern um, after placing an ad in Melody Maker, which was like a music magazine. Right. Um, and Modern secured Nick a record contract at MCA, Music Corporation America, um, who were an American label, obviously, obviously. Um, which later became part of Universal Music Group. Oh, OK. So in September 1983, Kershaw released his first single, I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, which, although was outside the top 40 in the UK, it was a major hit in Scandinavia, um, so Switzerland, and the Netherlands. That I won't let the sun go down weren't a top forty. No, it was outside the top That's forty. Bad. It was his first release, but obviously he hasn't. No one knows him, and it probably didn't mm. get much airplay. Um, yeah. So yeah, so um, but as I say, it was a hit, a major hit. Um, in Scandinavia, Switzerland and the Netherlands. Um, and then at the beginning of 1984, Kershaw released his second single, which would be his breakthrough track, 
when Wouldn't It Be Good reached the top 10 in Germany, where it got to number two, Ireland, number two, Switzerland, number three, Australia, number five, Norway, number six, and Canada, number nine. As well as being a good single, the accompanying video also saw heavy playtime on MTV. Yeah. So Kershaw endured, endured, Kershaw enjoyed more success um, from the other singles released, Dancing Girls and Human Racing, from his debut album, Human Racing, which charted at number five in the UK album chart, as well as the top ten in Norway, where it got to number seven, Germany number eight and Finland number eight. And it was just outside the top 10 album charts in Netherlands 13 and Switzerland 12. So the album was doing really well. Yeah. And um, the songs were doing okay as well. I reckon he's more of an album guy. Oh, but then again, Uh, you said that he's big in the UK, so he must get bigger. His second album, The Riddle, charted at number eight in the UK album chart, while also charting inside the top 10 in Norway, number five, and New Zealand, number eight. And it was just outside the top 10 in Finland, number 11, Germany, number 12, and Sweden, number 11. Uh, the singles that released from the album were the title track, Wide Boy and Don Quixote. So with the riddle getting in the top 10 in Ireland, number three, Norway, number five, New Zealand, number six, Australia, also number six, and Germany, number eight. So that was the best single as far as the second album went was the actual title track the riddle yeah so then his third studio album radio musicola only made number 47 on the uk album chart while the only other country that it charted in was australia where it only reached 92 and what year was that this was, it would have been around, oh, 19, uh, you asked me something there, and I haven't got it to hand. Did you not say it? Oh, I thought I, I did. No, I've, I thought I'd written it down, but no, I haven't, so I'm just quickly looking. I just want to know how quickly he went, because that's his third album. Just yeah. wondering how quickly it went how from quick he went well from to going... not hitting the charts. Yeah, so Radio Musicola was released in 1986. Human Racing was released in 1984, as was The Riddle. One was released at the beginning in February. The other one was released in November. So we had a really good year and then... 1984, beginning and end of. Brilliant. And then Two years later, bearing in mind, he would have obviously been, I suppose, spent 1985... Touring, maybe. Touring and and recording. Recording. Um, And, yeah... um, completely bombed out Hmm. so yeah so um yeah it only got to number 92 in australia which is the only other country it charted in outside of the uk um three singles were released off the album when a heart beats nobody knows and the title track radio musicola with none of none of the track making the top 10 and what's really weird is now you've listed all the songs that I've got. So I'm like, but how? Okay. I just don't get how we didn't do more. Yeah. Um, so um, 
Ireland was the only country where both When a Heart Beats, number 14, and Nobody Knows, number 20, made the top 20. So one of them literally just got in anyway. Only just, yeah. Yeah. And I must admit, I like Nobody Knows. I really do. I mean, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Nick Kershaw. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a limited edition um, the, uh, singles of his. Just have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really like Nick Kershaw. Um, so, Nick Kershaw Did then... He, um, yeah, I'd put him down as a you person. He, this is definitely yeah. your music. He's my soloist. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Howard Jones. They're very similar. Mm, yeah, and Howard Jones last week. He was yeah. very good. Yeah. So, his fourth and final album of the 80s was The Works, which failed to chart, while the lead single, One Step Ahead, only made number 55 in the UK. And I was going to give you it because it is a good Just song, One Step Ahead. But so is he, um, is Nick Kershaw someone that you have always bought his music of, no matter what? Well, um, we've got well, album number one, Human yeah. Racing. Look at him there. Album number two. Oh, similar the artwork. Riddle. Yeah. Album number four, The Works. Oh, I don't like that artwork. Album number five, I think. No, yet yeah, five. Well, where's number three, Dad? I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't get hold of Radio Musicola. Um, what, so you don't own it? No. Oh. 15 Minutes, album number five. Yeah. And then um, album number six, To Be Frank. Oh, his artwork went a bit weird, you know. And he's had another couple of albums in between after those as well, So, which I'll go into. So, so Nick only saw Wouldn't It Be Good chart in the US when it reached number 46 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1984. So he's seen as a one-hit wonder in America. Oh. So Nick has since released a further five studio albums, so nine albums in total. Nine? Yeah, between 1984 and 2020 when he released Oxymoron. Although he has never reached the success he saw during the mid-80s, or 1984 to be precise, but anyway, um, really. Um, he did write the UK number one debut single for Chesney Hawks, The One and Only, which charted in 1991. Yeah, from the Buddy Holly song. Yeah. Right. Okay, he wrote yeah, that. Yeah. And that got to number one. He wrote, I mean, that's somewhere to go back, like to um, carry on with, isn't it? Being a songwriter yeah. and do it, getting into music that way. So um, Nick also played guitar for his good friend Elton John on his single Nikita, um, which also saw George Michael on the backing vocals in 1985. He then also appeared on Elton's album Duets, Duets, sort of say, sorry, in 1993, where they sang a song written by Kershaw called Old Friend. So he's gone into that writing. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, he was a writer anyway, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, like after his career yeah. stopped, kind of, yeah, he didn't completely disappear from no. the industry. In two thousand and nine, Herschel performed at the Rewind Festival in Henley, and has since performed at various eighties festivals like Rewind and Let's Rock. So he his first appearance, or when he got onto that scene, was two thousand and nine, and he's done it. Sort of, and it's like kind of carried on, yeah, yeah. yeah. In 2010, he hosted the Mencap concert, Our Friends Acoustic, um, where he performed The Riddle, Wouldn't It Be Good, Dancing Girls, and I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. The concert also saw performances from Howard Jones, Andy Bell of Erasure, Carol Decker from Tapau, and Jimmy Somerville of Bronsky Beat and the Communards. Herschel was a performer at 1985's Live Aid because he that obviously was at his height. He is um yeah, his yeah, height of his, his career, if you think. Yeah. 1984 was his year, and they done that mm, in 1985. Yeah. So yes. So, so what he was doing in 1985. Let's um go through his songs. So 1983, I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Number 47. It's mad, you know. Like, I know that song. And do you know what? We had a song called I Won't Let the Sun Go Down. And it was when I had Elton John. But it weren't just Elton John. It was someone else. And it might George Michael. That... Was it? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. When you sent me that song, and I might have mentioned it when we discussed it, but I, in my head, started singing, I won't let the sun go down on me. This one, basically. And I was disappointed when it weren't this one. Uh-huh. And then when I got this one, I was like, ah, I've got it. So this, oh, absolutely love this song. So catchy, feel good. And it's just amazing. And I'm just shocked that it was outside of the top 40 baffles me i get that it was like his first one and obviously he's not got the backup of coming from a band so he's literally out and the song's got to sell itself kind of thing but oh it's such a good piece of work so he then um released wouldn't it be good in 1984 and that got to number four I'm sure you sing this one to me. Like, this one's, where I think when you've ever spoken about Nick Kershaw in any way, this is the song that you come out with and just start singing. Um, it's more of a serious one compared to I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, but it's very 80s. And that's one thing that I have liked. Very 80s week. Been fantastic. Okay. Um, 1984 still. Dancing Girls, number 13. Okay, repetitive, catchy, and has a very good beat. So, he's had two songs inside the top 20. Mm -hmm. So he then re-releases, I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Right. 1984, his biggest hit, number two. Oh. Well, now you've let me down. Why? Oh, I said he'd have a number one. Well, he might have. You said it's his biggest hit. His biggest hit to date. Right. His biggest hit. So I won't let the sun go down on me. 
got oh, to right, number 47. Wouldn't it be good got to number four? Dancing Girls number 13. He then re-released I Won't Let This right. Down On Me. I... It's gone from being a flop to his best hit. I thought you two. meant it's his best hit. Sorry, no. At... With so him. when he okay, re- when he fine. when he when he released yeah. it, when he, he released two, that, to that, that was his yeah, biggest yeah, yeah. hit at that time. At the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now you can carry on. Okay, so then um, he released um, his fourth okay. single from yeah. the album "Human Racing," which mm-hmm. is the title track "Human Racing," and that got to number nineteen. So all of other than the first release right. of "I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." which he then re-released, they've all got in the top 20. Yeah. Okay, well, Human Racing, when I first listened, I weren't a fan. I thought it was slow and a bit bland for him compared to the others. But listening again, um, I think it's sung well, I like the lyrics, and I think it's got the 80s just embedded within it. It was my favourite song of his for ages. It is a good one. Nobody Knows. That's a good few years. Yeah. Well, we say, yeah, I can see here. So, yeah. Um, So still in 1984, he then released his second title track of his second album. So he released them both both after each other. Yeah. Um, And that is The Riddle, which you thought might be number one. Mm -hmm. Well, it was inside the top ten. Right. It's done better than Human Racing. It's done better, yeah. Um, it's done better than everyone by his re-release of I Won't Let the Sun Go Down On Me And Wouldn't It Be Good got to number four. Oh yeah, sorry It did It then got inside the top five Okay Go on Then, done better than Wouldn't It Be Good It got inside yeah. the top three Okay The Riddle 1984 Very oh, Must wow. be the very end of 1984 Um it stayed and peaked at number three. Oh, for God's sake. I thought that was going to be his biggest hit. And I even wrote, I think this is his biggest song. But it's not. No. no. Oh, I said, I just think it's so well put together. It gets you moving, really catchy. It's just a, I don't know, like I recognised it as well. Um, I just think it's a fantastic piece. Another pe- fantastic piece of work by him. Mm. It's clever as well because it is a riddle in a song mm. and hence mm. called the riddle. Yeah. Um, okay, 1985, Wide Boy off the same second album, the riddle. Um, also, there's a top 10 here at number nine. Oh, this was my favorite. It's got good pace, foot tapping, catchy. I just love it. Like, I couldn't really say anything else apart from yeah. I love it. 1985, Don Quixote off the Riddle album. Also inside the top 10 at number 10. We're doing well. Uh, this one's fast paced, but it takes a minute to get in. It picks up for the chorus. Okay. So we're now going on to his third album. Yep. Uh, 1985, When a Heart Beats. And it's his first, well, other than I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me on its first release, it's his first single since then to not be inside the top 20, number 27. So I think this one's got a more grown-up feel to it. Like he's moved on from like his more poppy, like it's less poppy, if you know what I mean. Mm. It's a bit more harsher on the music side. 
Mm. Um, so it was a bit of a change. Took a minute. I think but... I think it's where he's matured or... and his music's changed. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what like it's grown with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took a took a minute to get used to the change. It's not bad. It just yeah, yeah feels a bit out of place for him. But now I know obviously the time difference as well. Yeah. So now we're into 1986 and his second single off of his third album, Nobody yeah. Knows, which I actually like. Um, this is your favourite. Number 44. Really? I thought this was a fantastic way to end him. Yeah. Very strong ending. I think it just shows off his talent that bit more. Yeah. Mm. And just so you know, also, 1986, he also released his um, title track, Radio Muscolia. Radio Musicola, Musical. and that got to number 43. Oh, so that they didn't hit very well. So, well. yeah, and then as I said, his next album, The Works, and One Step Ahead, so and he got to number 55. Did you give me Nobody Knows because you that's your favorite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, because I was going to say, like, mu- and that was his Musicola last single, really, that then, as I say, he went back. Oh, okay, yeah. Radio Mus- Musicola got pretty much the same, it just done yeah. it by one place one in, but. Place. Neither of them were out. They were both outside the top forty. So that, and he never had another top inside the top forty. Right. Um. So yeah. Oh. So moving on to Jason Donovan. Yeah. So I've gone. I don't know whether this is a genre, but I think he's like a bit of teen pop. You know, like just that pure pop from being young. Um. I have always only ever known him as an actor. Um, I think it was Neighbours that he was in with Kylie Minogue. They got married. I think, I'm sure that's Jason Donovan. Um, I think he's better as a duet. So like in some of these songs, one, he does do a song with Kylie, but he's got quite a deep voice. And I feel like, and he's very love song singing. And when he has sang with Kylie or in some of his songs, it's had like the backup singers. I just think it helps balance out him because he sings love songs and they're quite lovey-dovey. I feel like he needs that woman woman part. Um, And whether him and Kylie were at the same time, because I know Kylie's from the 80s, either she was about before him and she helped boost his career. Or they, I don't know, I feel like they had a thing. They were like a thing at one point, And they kind of helped each other, if you know what I mean. But, yeah, so I want to know about that. But his music weren't what I was expecting from him. Like I say, he's like a romantic and a very love song orientated. And I don't know why, but I weren't expecting that from Jason Donovan. Um, and I think he's got better looking as he's got older. The long hair does not suit him that he had back in the 80s. And his videos tell a story. So that when you're watching it, he... and it's not necessarily directly about the song, but his videos do have a story to them. So I quite like that they're quite thought out. Okay. So Jason Donovan from Mulvern, Victoria in Australia. Active in the music business since 1988. So he's what? He just so late. Yeah. Oh, so um, maybe it did help him out. She... So he's an actor, singer, yeah, and he is pop. Okay. 
I did nearly put Pop, but I thought he's quite young, so I feel like he mm. could have gone to, I don't know, be a... So Jason made his name as an actor with his first TV appearance coming in the Australian series Skyways in 1980 when he was just 11. God, that's so young. And in that episode that he was in, his own screen sister was played by his future co-star Kylie Minogue, even back then. It was that like it was, like meant it was to written be. in the stars. Yeah. Um, so Donovan appeared in several other TV series before getting his big break as an actor when being cast as Scott Robinson in Neighbours. Mm. Um, so he wasn't in it from like Scott beginning because there was another actor who originally played Scott Robinson and then oh, he like it was like recast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that happened in 1986. And Donovan's own dad, Terence also appeared in Neighbours, but he joined in 1990 um, when Jason had already left by then to start a music career. So, um, yeah, in the UK, um, where his father is actually from, having been oh. raised in Staines, Middlesex. Not Staines? That's not far from, no, not at all. So, yeah, so um, his dad... So his dad is originally is, from Australian. He, he went to Australia. Yeah, so went to Australia. So his dad was born and bred in England and yeah, moved to I don't Australia. Know, well, I don't know what age he went over to, to Australia. And then right. obviously Jason, he had obviously Jason, met his mum or whatever. I don't know if his mum's Australian, but yeah. And then Jason left Neighbours to come to UK to start That's his right. music career. And yeah, when but he I bet did his, that, dad, his dad, who was an actor became, himself, joined the neighbours cast uh, but i bet his dad was like get yourself to england uh, get yourself to it like do you know what i mean i bet his dad was like go on get, get over there they've got a good chart thing they've got a good music hmm. background so jason left neighbours in 1989 to follow his screen wife kylie minogue to the uk for a music career so he started his music career in Australia then, because you said he's been active in the music industry since 88, but he followed her in 89. So he must have started over there and then came over here. I think he'd had a song or something. I think um, they'd sang or something. I, I don't then, know. Right. But, um, I suppose by the time he, yeah. Whether we'd come over beforehand, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and actually then, left neighbours. So he's like, you know, kept the door yeah. open sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Donovan signed for Mushroom Records in Australia and PWL, Pete Waterman Limited, in the UK. Although originally the production team of Stock Aitken and Waterman initially resisted working with Donovan for fear of working with a second neighbour's soap star looking too tacky. Because they already had Kylie Minogue on their books. Yeah, yeah. However, the trio soon warmed to Donovan and got him to record Nothing Can Divide Us after the track was rejected by the trio's main star, Rick Astley. I don't know how I'd feel about that, you know. Which you know, means you could rejects. say, if you think about it, that Donovan's success is partly down to mm, Rick Astley's. Because he turned name. down Nothing Can yeah. Divide Us. And but, they then to Jason Donovan. But then again, like it depends on the artist as well, doesn't it? 
Yeah, Rick Astley obviously didn't feel the love for the well, song or that he could, it was, yeah, he could get the best out of it or he didn't, yeah. didn't sit fit right. But still, I wouldn't and want so someone's rejects. They gave it to Jason Donovan and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, so the single reached number three in Australia. In Australia. Okay. And Donovan's next single was a duet duet with Kylie, um, especially for you, which was released in late November 1988. Although the idea of a duet, duet, whatever way you want to say it, was rejected by the three producers, Stockaken and Waterman, originally, who felt it would be too commercial. However, they soon changed their minds when retail chain Woolworths ordered 250,000 copies of the record. So Woolworths obviously thought this is going to be big. This is going to be big. And they ordered that, and that is why it then went ahead. So they'd done a pre-order of 250,000. That's mad. But also, I guess, because they'd been on Neighbours and become like a thing on there like they were well neighbors was big at this time as well that's what i mean like and then they were married on there so then and neighbors was in like we watched it in england i remember watching it when i was young um so were you not at this point no but i did watch neighbors when i was younger so like it was big over here and was big for years so then when when they're seeing Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan, they're the ones that had that had all that chemistry. They're releasing a song. Everyone's going to want to buy that. So I get it. Like commercially, it's the perfect way to do it, isn't it? Put yeah. them together. So Donovan had already agreed to the duet with Minogue as he saw it as a good move for his music career. So in other words, what you said, really. Um, so Kylie Minogue yeah, was already... Know. Yeah, I big. didn't know where... If, like, cause of he was just years. starting out. He'd already yeah, had a hit. He'd already got a door. Now he's been offered this opportunity with Kylie. And, yeah, he's grabbed it with both hands. Um, the single was 1988's number two at Christmas, missing out on the top spot to Sir Cliff's Mistletoe and Wine. I'm glad, though, because for you is not a Christmas song. Yeah. But as we found out the other day with um, the Pet Shop Boys, it doesn't have to be, does it? You know. To me, it does. No, no, I, I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with you. Um, uh, yeah, sometimes charts don't always. Yeah. So Donovan's next single, "Too Many Broken Hearts," would reach number one in Ireland as well as making the top 10 in France, where it got to number three, Netherlands, number four, Finland, number four, Belgium, number five, and Germany, number 10. While his follow-up single, Sealed With A Kiss, a cover of the 1960s for The Four Voices, although it wasn't a hit for them, um, but was a hit before Donovan, when in 1962, Brian Highland reached number three with the cover version. So the original song was released in 1960, didn't chart, and it didn't. If it did, it wasn't. It wasn't like it wasn't major. No, and then it was re-released by Brian Highland in 1962, 
and got to number three. So Donovan's version made number one in Ireland to give him his second number one in the Emerald Isles, while also making the top ten in Belgium, number two. Finland, number two. He's obviously big in Finland. They're not a a country we often talk about. Portugal, number three. Another country we don't really... Another country, I don't think. Austria, number five. Switzerland, number seven. Now, this country we've never, ever mentioned. Go on. Uruguay, number seven. So, South America. That's mad. And Australia, number eight. Now, you've often, you've got to wonder, is it, is it on the back of Neighbours? Is it on mm. the back of Kylie? Yeah. You because know, um, there is some countries there that we've never really mentioned. Finland, uh, Portugal, and obviously, as I say, Uruguay. Uruguay. So, yeah. Donovan's debut album, Ten Good Reasons, reached number one on the UK album chart and number five in his native Australia. His follow-up album, released in May 1990, Between the Lines, um, reached number two in the UK, but flopped in Australia at number 77. Ooh, well, the six... The teeth. Oh, sorry, well, the five singles um, released, When You Come Back to Me, Hang On to Your Love, Another Night, Rhythm of the Rain, and I'm Doing Fine had mixed success in the UK and flopped in Australia, yet all made the top 10 in Ireland with When You Come Back to Me giving Donovan his fifth number one in Ireland following his previous single um, before that, which was his third single on his first album, um, Every Day I Love You More, which also made number one. So he literally had... um, Number one in Ireland with all of his released singles up to then. Yeah. So, um, Ireland love him. Ireland clearly loved him. So, mm. you had, um, when you come back to me, number one. Every day I love you more, number one. Um, with a kiss. Uh, sealed with a kiss, number one. Too many broken hearts. Number one, and obviously, especially for you. Mm. So, other than his very first single, and then the, the others, which all, as I say, got in the top ten in Ireland. He then released a greatest hits album, and um, he released RSVP as the promotional single for that. Yeah. And um, RSVP again was a. Top ten hit in Ireland. But you 19- know, I didn't realise how big Jason Donovan was because I've only ever heard of him as an actor. I didn't really know he was taken seriously as a singer, mm. but he was. Like I was shocked at how many songs I got. Yeah. And then, and then you're giving all these stats, and I'm like, whoa. So That's by 1991, Donovan's music career was stalling. And he accepted the lead role in the Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber musical of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Ah, yes, I remember you saying about that. While also having another hit when releasing the main single, 
from the show any dream will do donovan left the show in 1992 and was replaced by philip schofield and he launched a libel against magazine the face which had published allegations that donovan was homosexual donovan won 200,000 in damages and following his court win Donovan saw a backlash from the public accusing him of being homophobic. And oh, um, that's ridiculous. I people know. are stupid. Yeah. You can't be homophobic for trying to tell people that I'm not gay. So yeah. That's not and that's then, not saying I do yeah. not like the gays. I'm not like nah, people are dumb. <laughs> so um yeah, so the backlash was that even though he won. He so then he's homophobic because he's trying to back it. By, by not fans, but the public in general. Yeah. Um, and obviously this had a huge effect on Donovan himself. And he started using cocaine. I mean, he was a drug oh. user anyway, but not, not cocaine. Not majorly. Um, so, yeah. Um, Donovan has since said that in 1995, he had a serious drug addiction, taking around three grams of cocaine a day and suffered a drug overdose at model Kate Moss's 21st birthday party. Wow, so, yeah. He would have only been young as well. Yeah. Like, he would have been about 20. you got to think of the pressures he was point. under. Yeah, he like, wasn't on the tree. He wasn't, he wasn't top of the tree anymore. No. He just and I forget how the... young he started as well. Yeah. Like, you think He's... in 1980 you said he was 11. Yeah. So in 1988, when he like got into the music industry, mm. he's only 17, 19. That's not yeah. very good maths. So like he's young as well. Yeah. And then after all that backlash, that affects you in the younger age than it does yeah. when because when you're older, you start being up. Don't care. Could not. And you got to think he's always been in the limelight up to now. So yeah. he's in the limelight of neighbors. And now he's. He's in a music, he was in a singer, he was in, in, you know, and it, it it got really good reviews. I remember when it all came out, you know, Jason Donovan, because we hadn't heard of him really. He, as, as I say, his career had, was on the slope. And suddenly you think, oh, Jason Donovan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he had really good reviews uh. and done really well. And um, and then he's left that. And suddenly he's, he's um, out in the wilderness completely and he's getting a backlash and yeah, went to drugs, unfortunately. So then in 1998, Donovan took over the lead role of the Rocky Horror Show, where he met stage manager Angela Malik. And following a brief relationship with Malik, became, she became pregnant and gave Donovan the ultimatum that he kicked his drug habit if he wanted to be part of their child's life. Oh. The couple okay. then married in 2008 and have now three children between them. But that kind of makes me think that they're married because of the ultimatum, like, not actually in love. <laughs> well, no, I'd say they were in love, which is why they had a, obviously had a child, but she didn't want him around with a young child with drugs. Oh, yeah. How I look at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. it was more the drug thing of the ultimatum. Yeah. Yeah. Donovan has since released more studio albums, meaning he has six in total, 
but obviously has never seen the success of those from the late 80s, early 90s. His last release was in 2012, although he still tours and appears at 80s festivals. And I've seen him quite a few times at Rewind. And I yeah. think he was here when you, he was there when you, was he there this year? No, Dad. No? Oh, why was I, I would have mentioned okay. that. <laughs> it would have been the year before. Okay. Yeah, he's, I've not seen no. him. I didn't know he. I didn't know he was still doing stuff. Not going to lie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Jason Donovan, nineteen eighty-eight. Nothing can divide us. The track mm-hmm. that Rick Astley rejected. Rejected. To number five. Oh, that's not bad to come in with. Very catchy chorus. Very eighties pop. I'd say. Mm-hmm. 1988, especially for you, with Kylie Minogue. Number one. I've got one. I knew it would be because I I did have a feeling that Kylie Minogue was bigger before he was, but I didn't. I weren't 100% sure. Um, she carried this song as well. He sounded a bit auto-tuned. Mm-hmm. Well, it obviously done very well in Woolworths. Yeah. Not that well, though, because they've now gone. They went. They've been. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Um, 1989, Too Many Broken Hearts. So Jason Donovan, obviously, as I said to you, um, he had already agreed to do the duet. duet yes. Before um, Stock Aitken before and Warren it got had okayed. what to do with River to do it. Um, and he said he'd done it because... For him, it was a good way of him moving his career yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his single straight after got to number got one. Number one. Yeah. Oh, I should have thought about that. I don't always. I don't like to say that you get two number ones in a row. Yeah, it's a good song though. It's very catchy. Good building the verses to the chorus. Um, and again, it's just very pop. Like it's fun pop. Mm-hmm. And in 1989 again, sealed with a kiss, gave Donovan his third number one. What's up? Was he really that big? Yes. Okay. Very loving, calm and soft. Also a cover. Yeah. So, mm. 1989, every day. I love you more. Number one in Don't Ireland. Don't say it. He's not got four. He's in the top ten. He's in the top five. He's in the top two. Nah. It's got to be a number two. Number he two. Stay, yeah, he doesn't stay up there that long. Yeah. Um, this, all the, although <laughs> this one I have written, it's commercially perfect mm. like i would have said this is one that would really sell very upbeat mm. as well i did enjoy it that was nearly my favorite all right but i found a better one uh-huh. well um that one was written i think by stock Aitken and waterman so whereas i said obviously sealed with a kiss yeah, songwriters, Stock Aitken and Waterman's, that was, that was written by ah. them. So, yeah. 
1989, When You Come Back to Me, number one in Ireland. Top ten over here. God. Top five. Top two. It got to number two. So he's gone five, one, but then one, 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 two, two. Mad. Well, this one's very soft. It's like a story. I think it's like the perfect song to listen after you've broken up with someone. Uh-huh. I don't know. Okay. Um, 1990, Hang On To Your Love, also top 10. Number eight. There's a lot going on in this song. Like the music, backing singers, it just all takes over the vocals. That weren't a top, that weren't an up there one for me. Okay. 1990, still. Another Night. His first single outside the top 10, number 18. Mm, this was a calm, maybe more in the background, very mm. quiet vocals. Okay. 1990, Rhythm of the Night, number nine. Sorry, rhythm of the night, rhythm of the rain. Of the rain, yeah. yeah. <coughs> Gets you tapping along, good lyrics, very catchy. Um, 1990, I'm doing fine, number 22. Ooh, so this one was simple, fast paced. It had a really good beat. I would have put this one higher. <clears throat> um, 1991, RSVP. You had it as number one. I did. Wasn't even inside the top ten. Shut up. Number seventeen. That's my favourite as well. Yeah. That's my favourite. I think it's the perfect eighties song that he's done. Very catchy. Maybe that's why it didn't do so well. The... It was in nineties. Yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> I think it's great. Oh. Uh, it's got all the elements of a good song. Yeah. It's annoying that it is the 90s, and that's my favourite. I don't like when I don't pick an 80s song as my favourite. He's then um, left the music business to pursue a, well, to go, he sort of mixed the two, I suppose, in a sense. Yeah, but it's and music, theater. if he thinks yeah. with musicals. Musical he's, 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 um It's probably the next path of that you'd expect to go, because yeah. um, it merges A lot of people do, don't they, go down? Yeah, so it merges the two. Yeah. Um, and he um, released Any Dream Will Do, and um, it got to number one. Uh, but because of where it's come from, and that was very critically acclaimed, as you say, I think it's a beautiful song, very like got good music to it. I didn't know it was from a musical, though. And um, that was one of the number ones outside of the 80s, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, he's had four of my nine. Uh huh. I realised he was that big. Okay. He then done another cover. He's done a few covers. Yeah, I knew this was a cover. I knew this was a cover. Um, this was from cover. Uh, the Turtles, oh, um, from the uh, nineteen late nineteen sixties, nineteen sixty seven. Happy together, and he got to number ten. Uh, I knew this was a cover, but like I didn't know. I don't know why I knew it. Just I knew 
listening to him sing that song, I was like, I've not heard, like, I recognise this song, but not this version. Um, it is a good song, though. Very catchy. I think it suits him. Okay. That's Jason Donovan. As we move on to John Lennon. Mm-hmm. So I've gone with pop rock, and the only thing I know about him is that he's from the Beatles. I think he's very talented, and he was the hardest to think of number ones because being from the Beatles, if he doesn't have at least one, I mean, I've only given him one because then I'm being strict. Um, but if it, yeah, if he doesn't have any number ones, then the Beatles weren't as big as people say. Okay. Well, um, I wanted to see good. how he. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, I think they're currently number one now, aren't they? I think even. I don't know. I don't follow the charts. I just listen. They're number one. There's a, there's a. Why aren't most album an album or no a single that's um, been found? I've actually got it written down anyway. But yeah, singles, a demo has been found, and they've redone it. They never released. And they. But how can they do it it up when most of them are dead? Like John Lennon didn't get. They were doing they were doing it before COVID or something, and so they or I don't know what happened, but they have got George they have got George Harrison guitar in it. Um, obviously Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney are still with us. They then added the drums. Uh, yeah, Ringo Starr's a drummer, and um, obviously Paul McCartney. Um, they've they've done it, and um, from the demo they've used John Lennon's voice. I was going to say, um, it's been, been released, like... actually, uh, it's, the, it's been released as the Beatles, but the writer is John Lennon. Right, interesting. Uh, yeah, and it's number one, at now, as we talk. So there you go. Which the is Beatles November 23. Are number one in November 23. And... They haven't been around since what the seventies. That's mad. Maybe even the sixties, because Paul McCartney was in Wings after the bit. So I don't know when. Yeah, this early seventies. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, they're number one. If you look it up you, while I'm talking, you can see. So yeah, yeah. so John Lennon from Liverpool, uh, a singer, songwriter, musician. Um, he played the guitar and the harmonica. Um, he's been active uh, since 1950s. Because I wanted to see what he looked like in the 80s, because uh, I only know yeah. him with his circle glasses and long uh-huh. hair. But he didn't actually have many videos. But I did see one video where I was like, oh, he's very talented, because he was playing uh-huh. something and then whipped out a harmonica. I was like, oh, hello. Yeah. You were saying that just reminded me. So, yeah, he's been active since 1956. Um, and, um, yes, you're right, rock pop. Yeah. Okay. So John Lennon made his name as being one of the Beatles. Um, he actually started off as um, a scuffle, I think they call it. Um, he was in a group of scuffle players. So scuffle, skiffle, skiffle, scuffle. Can't remember what it was now, but they're inch that you make instruments from like saucepans, you know, not instruments. You're oh just, right, okay. just making music like, from instrument from yeah, just things objects. that you can find. Yeah. 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 So he was originally in a group of that. I can't remember what it was called now, unfortunately. Um, And then, obviously, he joined the Beatles. Um, They are seen as the greatest band of all time. 
with 37 singles making number one worldwide. So 37 singles have, have number one in a country, have made number one in a, a country. A country. Wow. So, yeah, so worldwide. And they even recently um, found a, um, a newly finished demo of called Now and Then, and it's made number one in several countries in 2023, as we just That's discussed. mad, yeah. And I've just looked it up. It is there. I'm going to listen to it. But then again, I say I'm going to listen to it. I don't really know any Beatles songs. Like, they're way before my time. And they're rock and you need hard. to go and listen. I don't think I'd be a Beatles fan. Well, you can't say that until you listen to it. I don't think I would be. I don't think they're my uh, my cup of tea. Thirty-seven number ones is quite. I don't care. Is, is you know, well, I'm sure there's going to be some songs you're going to like. Yeah, probably, but I don't think they'd be my cup of tea that I'd be like, oh, I fancy listening to the Beatles today. Okay. Like, well, I've, I think yeah, they've got never. more than enough material for you to 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 um, look into if you needed to. Um, anyway, back to John Lennon. So he started his solo career in 1969 with Give Peace a Chance, recorded under the name of Plastic Ono Band. And that reached number two in the UK. And then in 1971, John Lennon had his biggest hit as a soloist with Imagine. No, I've got it down as 1975. Maybe not 1971. Um which was number one in the UK, Australia and Canada, while also making number three on the US Billboard Hot 100. In 1980, Lennon released the album Double Fantasy, which was his fifth studio album and final one before his death. The album reached number one worldwide, including the UK, the US, and Australia, as well as Japan, Canada, New Zealand, and Sweden. Bear in mind, Sweden are really into their music at this time, especially pop, because of ABBA, who had just come onto the scene oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, while the lead single released in October 1980, Just Like Starting Over, which would be his last released single while alive, um, although two further singles would be released from the album, Woman and Watching the Wills. Um, but they were released, although he'd re obviously recorded them because it was on the album that he'd released before his death. They were released from the album posthumously because he'd already he'd obviously died by this time. He'd been murdered. Well, I was going to say, um, weren't he murdered? Yeah. In 1984, the album Milk and Honey was released posthumously and was the last album John Lennon released because it was that was the last material he'd obviously done. So he's working. So Double Fantasy had been released mm. and the lead single from Double Fantasy had been released. He was obviously in the middle of working on the f next album when he got murdered. They Why then released a further couple of uh, singles from the album that was released. And then they released his, they put it, they obviously, the, a producer got hold of it and released his other album, which he had already been working on. Right. So 
three years after his death, and this is this is about um, Honey and Milk. So it was released. The album was released three years after his death, although it had been recorded in the last months of his life. The album was assembled by his wife Yoko Ono and the record label Geffen. The album reached number three in the UK and saw the singles Nobody Told Me, Borrowed Time, and I'm Stepping Out, released with two of the singles making the top 40 in the UK. Lennon's last ever released single as a soloist was in 1985 when Jealous Guy, a track which was unreleased for 1971's album Imagine was released as a single. I have that. Oh, 1985. Uh. Yeah. Even though it was recorded and was on the original album from the early 70s, yeah. it was released as a new, as an album, as a single, because it hadn't been released before then. Right. And obviously they've got no other new material to release. So John Lennon was murdered on December the 8th, 1980. So Lennon had autographed a copy of his new album, Double Fantasy, for Mark Chapman at around 5 p.m. Before leaving the Dakota apartments with Ono for a recording session at the record plant studio. After the session, Lennon and Ono returned to Dakota at around 10:50 p.m. So they left at 5 p.m. They returned just before 11. And someone's murdered him in that time. As they left their vehicle and walked towards the building, Chapman shot Lennon twice in the back and twice in the shoulder at close range. But why? So Mark Chapman was the one who'd got Lennon to autograph his album at 5pm when they left for the studio. Yeah, but why did he murder him? We, I don't know. And I don't think he's said. Um, so you, you, whether he was wanting to do it beforehand and that's why he got him to just autograph the album. And no who's, one knows. This so, who's this um, Chapman just, man? So, so, um, so, yeah, so um, Lennon was rushed to hospital where he was pronounced dead at 11.15pm. Chapman avoided going to trial when he ignored his lawyer's advice and pleaded guilty to second degree murder. He was sentenced to 20 years to life in prison so between 20 years and life so a minimum of 20 years in 2000 chapman became eligible for parole which has since been denied 12 times stop so he's still in prison still in prison i swear there's other people that have been in prison come back out for murder so Why 1980, being... he committed the murder. No, he didn't. 1980, John Lennon was murdered on December the 8th, 1980. How on earth were they releasing music through the 80s then? Was I've just explained all that. Have you not no, been but, listening? No, I have. But it's like... 
It's two albums, it's, yeah. It's mad how he... Okay, yeah, sorry. Carry on. So, yeah, so Ono released a statement the day after John's murder saying there is no funeral for John. Oh. And she ended it with the words, John loved and prayed for the human race. Please do the same for him. So he didn't get a funeral? No. Why? It's a bit rude, isn't it? Yeah. John Lennon. As I said, 1975, Imagine got to number one. And that was probably when he was at his height. Um, That's his biggest, isn't it? Yeah. I recognise that one. So I gave you it for a reason. Wow. But that was the number one, the second number one that was outside of the 1980s. Right. But I said I knew that would be a number one. Yeah. Because in my head, I was like, right, it's John Lennon. He's from the Beatles. This is his first solo album, solo single. It's going to be number one straight off. Also, yeah. I recognised it and I was like, I'm sure this is quite a big song. It is a yeah. beautiful song and it's so, like, it's so well sung. He is talented. Yeah. Although, as I say, well, I don't think it was his first solo single, but it was his... Oh, his biggest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 1980, Just Like Starting Over, number one. Was it? That's yeah. my favourite of his. Mm. Uh, his vocals sound deeper, you know, compared to Imagine. Uh, picks yeah. up from, a so- from the, like, a soft, slow start. And do you know what? It's so well-written that it's like a movie with words. Mm. So anyone can describe it. 1981. Woman, also number one. Obviously, this was on the back of him being murdered. So, oh yeah, kind of. Now people um, are paying. That's not to say he wouldn't have got to number one if he was alive. Yeah, there obviously is a a bigger chance of the reason why he got number one. Yeah, Um, I think it's simple. It's literally just a beat and some vocals. Nineteen eighty-one, watching the wheels, number thirty. Yeah, I don't like this one as much. Like, the vocals don't go with the beat. It's like they're off sync. It's not his best work. 1984, Nobody Told Me, number six. Foot tapping to the point. That it. Okay. 1984, Borrowed Time, number 32. See, I don't think there's as much context in this one. It's a bit more in the background. And you've got to think these were ones that were they released kind of after his together. death. And it was mm-hmm. when he would have, they'd have just been demos or yeah, just, work, so you know, work in he, progress. Yeah, so what so he not might necessarily have what the finished would article the would have been that he yeah. wanted. Yeah. Um, hard, and think. then, as I say, 1985, Jealous Guy, which was from um, the Imagine album. Yes. That had never been released, was released, but it was released as a double A with Imagine. Oh, and hence okay. why I gave you Imagine earlier. Right. Um, and, uh, sorry, no, it was re-released. So, it, first of all, so, it was released as Jealous Guy on its own in 1985, yeah, yeah. and it got to number 65. Right. And then it was re-released as a double A with Imagine and got to number 45. Oh, um, didn't do that great, did it? 
Uh, I think it's a lovely piece of music, though. But like, but now know about John Lennon and all this music, it is hard to put to know whether that's what it should have sounded like. Like yeah. you're saying, whether that's what he wanted. But Jealous Guy was. was that was already that, been that, released. That was yeah, right. Because that was from the album. Yes, that was from before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. So that's Jolly. Uh, that's John Lennon. As we move on to Holly Johnson. Yeah, so this guy is from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I think yes. he's synth pop. Um, I can't really say much. Like, he's only got four songs. I'm surprised he hasn't had more from his solo career because of where he was from. But then I guess sometimes so you're not meant to be solo. You're better off in a band kind of thing. Or... I don't know when he went solo because I can't fully remember when Frankie Goes to Hollywood was about, but he might have been like too late. Maybe he had more in the 90s, not sure, but I was expecting a longer list. Um, he likes a, he likes a suit, doesn't he? And it's either quite flashy or it's a bit funky, like with the colours. Um, he doesn't seem to age either. He just looks really young all the time. But there weren't much to get from the videos, if I'm honest. Like, more live performance or him just there. Like, there weren't much going on. Okay. So, Holly Johnson, born William Johnson, or Billy as he was known, um, is yeah. from Liverpool, like John yeah. Lennon and the Beatles. Um, he's been active in the music business since 1977. He's a singer, musician, vocalist, bassist, and he's pop, dance, new wave. Not synth pop. I no. thought he sounded quite synth, synth pop here. I thought no. I could sound. Maybe not. Obviously not. So Holly is best known as the lead singer of 80s band Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So Johnson was known at school as Jolly Johnson. He was inspired by Mark Bolan and David Bowie. And he took his stage name, Holly, from actress Holly Woodlawn, a friend of Andy Warhol. So Holly so started his... Sorry? That's so weird. That, that's I'm really a... random. Yeah. I think also because he was called Jolly Johnson, so whether Jolly, Holly. But do you know what I thought? I thought he went for Holly Johnson after he was in Frankie Goes to Hollywood and took the Holly when he went single. Oh, so right, like, no, he's known as Holly Johnson. Like the whole way through. Yeah. Oh, that's so random. Yeah. And what's wrong with being called Billy Johnson? Why couldn't he have gone with Billy from his real name? This. Some people are dead weird, you know. <laughs> so, Holly started his music career as a bassist for the band Big in Japan, who were a punk band in the late 1970s, but they are better known for the later successes of the members than the music the band had played. So the members of the band all went on to bigger, better yeah. things rather so, than the band getting bigger. In the band, you had Ian Brody who went on to form the Lightning Seeds. Oh, yeah. Peter Clark, also known as Budgie, and um, he went on to be known as the drummer for Susie and the Banshees. Oh, okay, yeah. 
while keyboardist David Balfe was to be a member of the Teardrop Explodes. And then you had Holly Johnson. And then Holly Johnson became lead singer of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Wow, so it did produce some. They just weren't good altogether. So Holly would go on to have three number ones with his band, as well as two other singles reaching the top five. Mm -hmm. While debut album, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, also made number one, with follow-up album Liverpool making number five. And was to be the band's final studio album before the band disbanded after Johnson left to sign for MCA Records, who we spoke about earlier with Nick Kershaw, as a soloist. Having left the band, an injunction was filed against Johnson Mm. by the band's record label, ZTT, owned by Trevor Horn. ZTT lost and Johnson was freed from his contract. However, the rest of the band attempted to reform Frankie Goes Hollywood with replacement singer Grant Bolt, and they recorded songs in a deal with London Records. However, Johnson blocked the project, saying it would devalue their achievements. And so Frankie Goes Hollywood was pretty much finished. Horn, so, yeah. Horn has since said his decision to pursue a lawsuit against Johnson was stupid. I guess in the moment, no, knowing that he was making him money and he could have been a big soloist and didn't, you know, like he's left that record label, you would do what you need to do for your label, Mm. wouldn't you? But then I guess in hindsight, you're like, that was a bit of a stupid move. But I can get why he did it. And Frankie Goes Hollywood were massive. In that's what I mean. Like, like he's losing money by him you know, going Three on. number ones, a number two. So they were the first band since, I mean, the Beatles hadn't even done it, I don't think. I think it was Jerry and the Pacemakers for their first three singles all to go to number one. Relax, Two Tribes and Power Love. Mm-hmm. And then they could have been the outright on their own had Welcome to the Pleasure Dome not been a flop. Oh. When it only got to number two. And it got, yeah. <laughs> but it weren't a flop. But yeah. No, of course it wasn't. It's I just remember that you used to having number him. ones. Yeah, I remember you saying all of this. Yeah. And then the first single got... from the second album, Rage Hard, that also got into the top ten. I think it was number five. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I remember. So, remember Johnson's solo career began with the release of the album Blast in 1989 with the album reaching number one on the UK album chart, while three of the four singles released off the album, Love Train, Americanos and Atomic City, all made the top ten throughout Europe, with all three making the top ten in Ireland and Switzerland. Americanos gave... Holly, his only number one single as a soloist when it topped the charts in Austria, while Love Train peaked at number four in Germany. Atomic City made number nine in Ireland. 
where obviously, as I say, the other two also got in the top ten. Ireland like a bit of music this week, didn't they? The other single released, Heaven Is Here, was a flop. Although it did make the top 40 in Ireland at number 22. Holly's second album, Dreams That Money Can't Buy, released in 1991, was a flop. And as was its three singles. In November 1991, Johnson, who was openly gay, learned he was HIV positive and saw him withdraw from the music business and public life in general. And then in March 1994, Johnson released his critically acclaimed autobiography, A Bone in My Flute, in which he wrote about his struggles and acceptance of his homosexuality. So, as I said, because of obviously this personal um, experience that's happened, Mm -hmm. as in finding out, you know, you've got HIV, he stepped away from the music business. I mean, you would. Um, That's a lot to deal with, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that was 1991. So by the time of Holly's third studio album, Soul Stream, in 1999. um, We did come back to the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stepped away, took a break, took a moment and came back right. However, that 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 album also flopped. So his last two albums have flopped. Bear in mind, he's only released flop, three. By flop. Didn't chart. I was going to say this before. Right, okay, yeah. so this is a proper flop, not a Frankie yeah. Goes to Hollywood flop. No, right. no. Um, and Johnson's music career was pretty much over. Bear in mind, we're now, you know, quite a You're almost going into right, the, the moved, noughties. So, yeah, like he's got you know, the and music, The music's moved on and yeah. the, the youngsters who are buying the music now don't even know who Holly Johnson is, especially as he's taken a break anyway. Yeah. Um, so Frankie Goes to Hollywood were part of VH1's show Bands Reunited in 2003, but did not perform due to Johnson who said in a later interview he felt the episode was a debacle and he did not want to perform with the band again. Why? Just do it for the fans. However, on the 7th of May 2023, Mm. the original members, including Johnson, Reunited for a concert featuring multiple Liverpool acts celebrating Liverpool music for the Eurovision Song Contest, which was held in the city of Liverpool due to the war in Ukraine. The band performed one song, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Although the short set was seen as as a disappointment, even though we hadn't heard Frankie O's Hollywood together for 30, 40 years, I suppose. Mm. Um, The BBC said maybe one song is as much as the five band members can bear to share a stage for. Do they not like each other that much? Well, you've got to think, Johnson left under a cloud. They were at the peak. They were the biggest band. And suddenly the lead singer says, I'm going to be a soloist. 
Yeah, but that's the best time for him to do it, isn't it? Well, exactly. But how do you think the rest of the other four feel? Who cares? They're back. Well, you, you're just saying, is there, is there any, but, you know... Put it behind you, that him. happened years ago. But Grow up. still linger. Grow and up. it's Johnson that's the main instigator. As I say, Bands Reunited didn't happen because of Johnson. Yeah. Also, you know. I did not know there was this concert. In Liverpool. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was on. It was on the day before, the night before of the Eurovision Song Contest. Didn't know that. Yeah, and it was all over the news because obviously it's Frank goes to Hollywood, and it was big. That's what I mean. I'm but like, yeah, I the disappointment was they only sang one song, and it was then not not a number one hit. It was their number two. Welcome to the Pleasure Day. Um, on the tenth of May. The, I'd want to do more. I'd be like, oh, I've got the got the itch. I've got to scratch it. On the 10th of May. This year, 2023. Working title films announced it was developing a Frankie Goes to Hollywood biographical film called Relax, which was based on Johnson's memoir. So, yes. We have got uh, that you know to come as well. I was going to say, I do like these 80s documentary do uh, yeah, documentaries that are coming out. I watched yeah. the Wham one. Mm. Har have had one. one. Tina Turner's not, had one. Queen have had it. one. Elton John has had one. Yeah, but Elton John, are you on about Rocket Man? Yeah. That's different. It's not a documentary. It's a film. Same with Tina Turner. It's not a documentary. Okay. I'm on about the ones that Wham. Yeah, you know, okay. Wham, Aha. Not seen a Har's one. Yeah. But there was another one that I watched. I did watch that Stock Aitken and Waterman one. Have you got Sky? Yeah. Sky Arts. If you look on, on previous, you can get the Yaha, the movie on Sky Arts. Oh. oh, the movie. Yeah, I remember you talking about the movie, actually. Yeah, I never watched it. Okay, Holly Johnson, 1989 Love Train, number four. Ooh. Didn't like this one. Like he's got a good voice, and I like the chorus. But again, like I said with one of John Lennon's, I feel like it's out of sync. Like he's trying to keep up with the beat. So I weren't a fan of that. Okay, nineteen eighty nine, Americanos, number four. This was my favourite. Gets you moving. Great beat. Good vocals. I just love the whole thing. Mm -hmm. 1989, Ferry Across the Mersey, a charity record for the Hillsborough disaster. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's obviously um, a Jerry and the Pacemakers song. Yeah. Um, and Jerry Marsden sang on it, along with Paul McCartney, Holly Johnson, and the charity group themselves, the Christians. Yeah. And it got to number one. Yeah. And that is your number one that wasn't a Holly Johnson song. Yeah. So yeah. no single. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of me knew it was a number one because I think this is like the second or third time I've listened to this song. Obviously, I had it with Paul McCartney. And I'm and sure I had it before. Yeah. So I'm well into I didn't even listen to it, not going to lie. No, I listened to it in the car. But I only listened to it that one time because I was like, I've heard this song. Um, It grows on me every time, though. I do like it more and more as I listen. Here's a good uh -huh. 
Okay. Um, and then 1989, Atomic City, number 18. This is more upbeat and more of a sing-song. It sounds a bit auto-tuned, though. Very catchy. So really, for Holly Johnson and Frank Goes Hollywood, you can look at it in two parts, or two years. 1985, yeah. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. 1989, Holly yeah. Johnson, the soloist. Yeah. And that is it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Jackie Wilson. Yeah. So I know there's a song called Jackie Wilson. Um, don't know whether it's related to this guy. Uh, from the previous artists that I've had this week, Jackie Wilson weren't what I expected. Weren't expecting the voice. Weren't expecting. I've gone for soul. Like he changed it up a bit. I've not just got pop this week. You know, got a bit of this. Well, I hope it's soul. Um, I think it's a nice break from the pop and really shows that different genre in the eighties. He's a very young man, dresses very well and is very well kept. Um, you told me to watch the Reap Petite video, so I did, and I think it's very clever. It's like stop animation, um, and it's different. I just think the way it's all, I think it's very clever. I liked it. I did think when I first wrote it in and I saw it on the little, little icon on youtube i was like oh, it's a bit scary then i watched it and i was like i like this it's like clay or i don't know but i like it anyway so i'm glad you said to watch that so jackie wilson from highland park michigan us mm -hmm. active since 1953 a singer songwriter oh Saying he looks young in the 80s. He's in his 30s at least by that. No. That's, that would be saying he's been in the music industry since he was born. He's like well into like his 40s or something in the 80s. He looks good for his age. Well done, Jackie Wilson. Go on, carry on. Sorry. Um, so he's R&B, soul, pop, rock and roll and doo-wop. Rock and roll? There's yeah. no rock and roll about him, but I guess that's like his whole career, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. So he might have dabbled in it in yeah. the rock and roll. We got to think it when he was in the 60s. In the 60s, that, that rock is rock and roll. And roll. Yeah. Um, so he was also, he had the nickname Mr. Excitement because of the way he was sort of bounced around on stage and what have you. So he was known what as was Mr. Excitement. Songs? So Jackie Wilson released 26 studio albums. I mean, when you've been around since that 1953, you've got to produce something, can't you? So during his career, with his debut album released in 1958 and his final studio album released in 1976. <laughs> talking about him he released 29 albums between 58 yeah and right, 76 and 76 that's not even 20 years yeah 18 years yeah 
So, Jackie Wilson saw his debut single in 1957, Reet Petit, The Finest Girl You Ever Want to Meet, reached number six in the UK while making number two on the Billboard R&B chart in the UK. The song was co-written by Motown founder Berry Gordy, along with Raquel Billy Davis, who was also known for writing commercial jingles, mostly Coca-Cola. Although Wilson had modest success during the 60s, including Your Love Keeps Lifting Me Higher and Higher, which reached number 11 in the UK and number 6 on the Billboard Hot 100, while in 1972, I Get the Sweetest Feeling made number 9 in the UK. You're basically listing all the songs that I've got. Although Wilson was at the peak of his success in the late 60s, he was broke, and the IRS Internal Revenue Service seized his Detroit family home. It was later found that not that Nat Tarnapol, Wilson's manager, and Brunswick Records, his obviously his um, record label, defrauded their artists of royalties. However, a trial to sue Tanarpol for royalties never took place as Wilson lay in a nursing home semi-comatosed. Tanarpol never paid Wilson monies he had coming to him and Wilson died owing money to both Brunswick Records and an estimated 300000 to the IRS. Mad. Which is a lot of money. That's one way to get rid of your debts. So. In those days, so yeah, Wilson. Well, a lot of money now. It's a lot of money that he. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> net, we're, we're talking like in the eight. It'd have been like even more we, uh, worth a million. It's like talking millions. Yeah. Um. But you got to think though, he was in debt because he hadn't received the royalties that he mm. was entitled to. So you can look at it True. both ways. Not yeah. that we know what the contract was in his record deal because. Back then, people just signed anything and probably mm. record labels and managers and... probably made more money than they should. But it does say that it was it was said that they had defrauded their artists. So, know. you know, uh, Wilson died on January the 21st, 1984, at the age of 49 from pneumonia. Too young. So, following the success of re-released singles from the 1950s and 60s, on the back of the Levi advert campaign, Jackie Wilson's music was re-released during the 80s. And is he dead at this time? Yeah. Um, Did he die? Yeah, when it was released, he was, yeah, yeah, when he had success. He was. It was. Um, he was gone. Dead. So he didn't even know about his success, no. really. Um, he also had a song named after him by Dexy's Midnight Runners in 1982, when they had the single "Jackie Wilson Said." Yes. However, when they played it on top of the pops, they had a picture of Jockey Wilson. The yeah, dog. I remember you saying that. So. 
say yes. So, Jackie Wilson, 1972, I Get the Sweetest Feeling, got to number nine. Mm -hmm. It was re-released in 1983 and got to number 98. It was then re-released again in 1987 and got to number three. Oh, wow. Okay. So I thought this was going to be a number one, didn't I? Well, far off. Um, Recognised it. Very soulful and very well sang. Very beautiful, I think. Lovely song. 1957. Rite Petite. The finest girl you ever want to meet. Got to number six. That was re-released in 1986. Mm -hmm. The video that you saw. Yeah. Got to number one. Okay. Oh, so we had a number one. I just picked the wrong one. Yeah. Um, I recognise this one too. It's not got much content, but I feel like the music does it. Music sells the song. And then 1969, Your Love Keeps Lifting Me, higher and higher, got to number 11, re-released in 1987, and got to number 15. Uh, this one was my favourite. And again, I recognised it. So I recognised all this stuff that you gave me. This one gets you moving, sing along. I think it's a great one to put on in the morning. Uh -huh. Okay, as we move on to Julian Lennon. Yeah, so I asked whether he was related when you gave me him last week, and I don't think they are. They look nothing alike, so I think it's just a coincidence. I, there's, it just, I don't see any comparison in them. Um, although their genre, I have gone Julian Lennon, also pop rock. Um, I like that he plays his own instruments in every song. And again, he's another love song person. I think he's a very talented musician. Um, videos are more live performances. I think he dresses quite casually and I think he's a bit scraggly. And I think after Jackie Wilson, someone that's just very well put together, having Julian Lennon, he just looks like he's got out of bed in comparison. So Julian Lennon is from Liverpool, England, oh, maybe active since 1984. He's a musician, so guitarist, keyboards. Yeah. <clears throat> and his genre is rock pop. Julian, the genre. Yeah. Julian is the son of John Lennon. And his first wife, Cynthia Powell. They don't look alike. Julian is named after his grandmother, John's mum, Julia. Oh, quite cute. So Julian started his music career in 1984 with his debut album, Lot, which reached number 20 on the UK album chart, although it did make number eight in Australia. The album is best known for its lead single, Too Late for Goodbyes, which made number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary Chart 
And then the equivalent chart in Canada, where it also made number six. Sorry, no, it also it made number one on the adult contemporary chart in both America and Canada, let's say. Right, okay. And in Canada, it also made number six on the singles chart. That's more like it. <laughs> Is it? Sorry. I was reading it and I was thinking that doesn't make sense. Um, Julian has released seven studio albums in total between 1984 and 2022. Oh, so he's still going. Yeah. Then again, he would have been quite young in the 80s, wouldn't he? Mm. So Julian never really had a relationship with his dad. After all, his dad said he came out of a whiskey bottle. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Obviously, John divorced Julian's mum. There obviously wasn't much love there. And he's literally saying that he was produced because John Lennon was drunk at the time. That's Hence, he come out of a whiskey bottle. So Julian gosh. says he has more pictures of him with Paul than his dad, John. Who's Paul? That is in Paul McCartney? Yes. Why has he got more pictures with Paul McCartney? Because obviously they were around doing songs and what have you. So he's got pictures of him as a youngster with Paul McCartney rather than his dad, John. So Julian Lennon, 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 um, three songs. So 1984, Too Late for Goodbyes, got to number six, the same as in Canada. Hmm. That was my favourite. Got a very good beat. Has a nice focus on the music. 1985, because number 40. Oh, okay. Shows off his vocals and got nice lyrics. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, 1991, Saltwater, number six. Too quiet for me. Like, you can't really hear what's going on. I don't know. Okay. Didn't like it. Fine. And that brings us to the end of this week. So it does. Just needs us to go hit or miss. Yes. So Nick Kershaw. Yeah. I think was an obvious hit. Like I enjoyed him at Rewind. It would have been weird if I then said I don't like him. Um Jason Donovan. I was very on the fence about him, not gonna lie. And it's only recently, as in during me talking to you, that I've decided he is a hit. Because I mm. did think, I did actually like quite a lot of his songs. John Lennon mm. is a miss, though. Ooh. Yeah, just not really. I like Imagine. Um, what was my favourite called? Uh, just, uh, just starting over. Just like starting like in. that, yeah. But then after that, I didn't really. They didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, miss. Holly Johnson is a hit. Did like his music though. Um, like I say, I do. I was expecting more. And I kind of wish there was more. Yeah. Jackie Wilson also a hit. Really enjoyed him. 
and it's a bad day. I think we said before you like older songs, obviously. Yeah, I think I do. Maybe Maybe you should try the Beatles. I don't know. Because I, I like older songs in like the soulful, the jazz. I don't know about rock. Oh, I wouldn't say they're rock, they? rock, as in like you know it. It's more like more like the rock, rock and roll like. matured into you know, but mm-hmm. you know, people didn't really know of pop then either as, as such. So it's it's yeah, it's not rock, rock. The Beatles. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'll listen to a couple. And Julian um, Lennon. It's not a good day for the Lennon family. He's also a miss. Okay. The two misses this week are related. Yeah. Even though I didn't think they were, but they obviously are. Okay. So, we come to the part of the night where I give you a next week's. Yep. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Paul Young. I really thought you were going to say Paul McCartney, and I was going to be like, no, Dad, I've had him. Paul Young. Never heard of him. Robert Palmer. No. David Essex. He sings a Christmas song. That's all I know about him. (laughs) Alvin Stardust. No. You keep smirking at me as if I should know these names. M. M. That's it. Just, Just M. Yeah. Definitely not heard of him. Joe Dulcy. No. Brat. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who names themselves Brat? <laughs> okay. You've gone from a week where I was like, yeah, I know him, I know them, I know them, I know them, didn't know Julian Lennon, to a week where I'm like, no idea. I know David Essex because he's done a Christmas song. Can't tell you what Christmas song, but when you send me the list, I'm pretty sure the Christmas song will be there, and I'll be like, yeah, that one. Yeah. And I didn't mention it, but also in the 1980s, Julian Lennon had his Christmas song. Did he? Um, Happy Christmas War is over, which is very apparent for now with obviously what's going on. I know that song. Yeah, I think it was re-released. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, um, it was re- it was also released in the 80s. Okay. Merry Christmas, War is Over. John yeah. Lennon's oh. solo song of Christmas and obviously right. it's about peace and war, you know, when the war's yeah, over. Very... And obviously very apt with what's going on in the world at the moment. And yeah. Ukraine and the Middle East with Israel. Mm-hmm. So yes. So anyway, before I go, just to recap who next week, Paul Young, Robert Palmer, David Essex, Alvin Stardust, M, Joe Dulcey and Brat. I can't get over the fact that someone's called Brat. I will send those songs for you. Yeah. And then we shall discuss Brat and the others next week. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. On that note, I will say good night and goodbye. Yeah, bye, Dad. Bye.